0: able to hear my voice this past week. I was knocked out by a nasty cold. and I'm feeling better today, but my voice is yet to return. So if you hear me squeak like a Mickey Mouse, now you know it's not puberty. It's just it's just a cold. Uh, it's, so, uh, it's so good to be here with you all this morning. Um, I want to offer a, a more of a reflection maybe today. I'm not sure where we're going to go. Um, Advent is a, an important uh, season in the life of the church, the follower of Jesus. I believe it was Carl, Carl Barter who once said, um, the, the Christian church, the Christian, we only exist in Advent. In other, wo- in other words, this season uh, of waiting and preparation, uh, both having, uh, knowing the reality of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, God himself coming come into come, come the world in history, and yet also longing for his return one day. And we're in this in between period. And so, every day in our lives, we're actually preparing ourselves and we're waiting. Right? And we, well, we live here in Banff. It's a very beautiful part of the world. And um, yeah, many people don't live in such grandeur of beauty. But even here, we can look out into the world and see how it can really feel like the world's falling apart. Rumors of wars, wars. And then, of course, in our very lives, uh, The hurt and the suffering that we uh, have either experienced right now or that has happened to us and that we endure, And it's in that that journey of life, seeing what's going on in the world and what's happening in our lives. um, That's what we bring into the door when we walk in. Our whole complete lives and we're asking, or coming to Jesus and I suppose of him saying "Uh, God, Lord can you make sense of this? And it's a hopeless and that's um, I think that's something that we have to um, keep at the forefront this season. Um, every time around this year, my wife and I—I <laughs> I wear this color, but uh, we struggle with not putting up Christmas decorations too early. It's a constant struggle because it's such a beautiful season, and you want to sort of you know dive into it. Um, and I get that because the rest of the year can often seem so a dreary in comparison to this warmth and the glow that we experience this season, and we want to get there. Um, but the concern, I think, always is that we approach Jesus or we journey towards him in the spirit, of what I'll say, is, uh, the spirit of sentimentality. In other words, uh, approaching Jesus, uh, primarily considering him as this cute, cuddly figure uh, that at best uh, warms my heart and um, gives blanket affirmations to however I'm living my life, or whatever I believe, and I can just cozy up with him with hot chocolate, and, and everything's okay. And that's uh, not only, But I would say, I would suggest, not only is that um, corrosive to an honor of spirituality, um, that sentimental picture of Christmas the whole month um, doesn't speak credibly um, to live experiences of humans in this world even in this room, who have suffered. It just doesn't speak to it. Um, I'll tell you, I, I, I learned about this recently, but you may already know about this. Um, I was learning that in 2017, um, uh, in the Arab country, Yemen, they were experiencing the civil war. I didn't know, but you may have known about this. And in that year, especially during the civil war, uh, they experienced, uh, as a very serious crisis, their infrastructure basically collapsed. And there was um, no real uh, medical resources. And you had families by the thousands with children uh, sick and often dying of very curable conditions because they just had no medicine. Cholera epidemic. And uh, this was uh, reported, uh, what I'm relating to is the New York Times an article, uh, Counting several lives of uh, folks in that country who were struggling. And there's this one account of this. A man, uh, his name is uh, Nasir, and he's traveling with uh, his family. And uh, his son has cholera. Which is very treatable here, but there it's a, it's a death sentence if you have no medical resources. And he's terrified for his son. But he's terrified in both ways because even if he gets to the hospital, and even if they get the medicine, and even if his son is cured, they have no money, they've lost everything. And so they can't secure the next meal for their children and he shows up there and there's another man there um, uh, uh, his name is Saleh uh, Yakub I believe I might get that wrong I'm trying to remember these names It and he's there with his eight children eight daughters and they're all still talking about malnutrition. And they, and they speak to each other and one of the men says the war haunts us from all sides not only the bombings and the and, and the warfare the, the killing." But then they're holding their children, not knowing what tomorrow brings. And there's a soldier there uh, from the Civil War. There's a soldier there, no ammunition, holding the hand of his little daughter, also sick. And he says, we are awaiting our doom or a breakthrough from heaven. That's all he could say about either doom or a breakthrough from heaven. And as I was reading that, I couldn't really draw up a better picture of Advent. Right there. The war haunts us from all sides. For some of us, even here, are human beings that we know, that we see abroad, they're literally in the midst of war, in combat, suffering. We don't know about that—the you know, war in Ukraine, the war between Israel and Gaza, Palestine. But the war comes from outside. sides. We can look at uh, real atrocious violence in this world, but also the suffering in our hearts. In other words, we can't escape it. And when you're in the middle of uh, that that tension, that hurt, that struggle. What does a cuddly nativity scene with little red uh, decorations and little range of how to say that? Well, I would suggest you press this little Mere sentimentality doesn't say anything to the uh, the lives that we live, which is why I hope I never preach to you sentimentality. Though God is love and tenderness and mercy, in Advent, what we recognize is that we see God coming to this world, and He also reveals His power, His right to rule, His perfect judgment on a world that desperately needs it. Because we spoke the last two Sundays We were exploring judgment We didn't think Oh my My naughty habits are being A uh, finger's being wagged at me And that's not it We actually saw the judgment as God coming to this world And honestly saying We struggle to say That's evil and it has to stop yesterday And when we see the world Come around us Maybe we don't want it But a lot of humans in this world Do actually want judgment Right? Because I think we know that we have to come to realize the Advent, the Advent season is, is peeling away the, the comfortable niceties that we wrap ourselves in. Delusions, really. If there's any season in the Christian year that we just take that all off is now Advent. And recognize that there are real, there's real brokenness in this world. There's real hurt. There's real suffering abroad in our lives. And that our ability as humans to solve those problems it's not there. if you knew this, like typically in England churches, when we celebrate Advent, you have the four Sundays usually what they are it's um, hope, peace joy, love right? but um, I was exploring I was learning that uh, traditionally I guess in the medieval uh, church uh, the four themes actually were um, death, judgment hell, heaven which sounds like a very <laughs> morbid season, maybe. But maybe we're going to explore a little bit. Because when you look at, the, at those four settings, they actually work together. Hope, death, peace, judgment. Right? They intermingle. In other words, in order to get, order to, get to that beautiful hope, we have, to, we have to understand what we're maybe being rescued from we have to understand our situation. In other words, we have to reveal the current conditions of our lives and how limited we actually are. My friends, when's your birthday? March 22nd, 1985. Don't be able, youngish. But you have your birthday too, right? You can, you can, you're not going to tell me, so it's all right. We all have a birthday, and we all know, it, though we don't know it, have a death day. There's a day on the calendar. I don't know when mine is. And when we think of the coming of the Lord of Jesus, we maybe push it away. We push it to near, in the future. We presume this long life, and I have all this time to prepare, and I, I don't know, Seth. That all sounds very Jesusy and religious, and I'm not sure about that. And we assume we have this length, but you don't know. We don't know. Because really, the moment that you expire, you stand before the throne before God to account for your life. I'm 38. I could guess I have several more decades. My wife, as you know, she's a widow. Josh died at 26. He didn't know. We don't know. But we do know we have that date in the future. We know that we can't escape it. In other words, the problems that we have, the suffering that we endure in this life, is bookended by a date with death. And that that's us. And there's no use pretending that's not there. No, no more, no 10,000 homework cards or cute little cuddly scenes are going to say anything to that. What do we do? Well, as Christians, we inherit a true hope. a true hope. It's not a hope fabricated by human hands. As the famous poet W.H. Auden said, nothing that is possible can save us. What heals our lives, what heals our world, isn't some new philosophy, some new ideology, some new politics, some new self-help book, some new vista, you climbed a mountain, you saw some sunset or some sunrise. We talked about that. Nothing that we can fabricate can heal our hearts, our lives. Only God can. And so when that Yemeni soldiers, they're saying, we await our doom or a breakthrough from heaven. Did you? It's our reading today, Isaiah. Oh, that you would rent the clouds. Oh, to God that you would break in and do something. Because we need you. And I want to invite you to inhabit that posture of the heart. The posture of life, actually. Because we're very keen, especially in the modern West, to develop the self-image or develop a self-understanding that I'm capable and productive. I am able to solve problems. But the most important problems that we have are the ones per that we cannot solve. And it's when you get to the end of human ability that's where God's mercy and grace begins. What is impossible for you and for me is not impossible for God. I cannot rescue you from death. Not only the death at the end of your life but when we expire, but the death that we possibly live now Disconnected from our Creator, many people way before they're buried, they're dead. Is that you? Only God can save from that. All that He would come down. My friends, actually, in the end, don't really know where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't know where you are. I know some of the stories that you entrusted me with. But there's so much more that I couldn't know. And even if you told me, i could only hold it piecemeal. Who can truly hold a human heart? I can't. You know who can? Jesus. Who we long for his birth in a, few, in, a, in a few weeks, right? But who will also come again at the end of time. And all wrongs will be made right. And all the things that we couldn't do or couldn't heal, he'll come the scroll that couldn't be opened, the meaning of history that we can't explain or understand, God will open that. He'll explain us to ourselves. And who will be able to stand in his pillars when he does that? In a sense, none of us. If you trust in Jesus, and you long for him, and you ask for him, even now, Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, I don't know how to make sense of my life. I trust that you can. I don't know what that means yet, but I'm trusting in you. If you do that, he'll be there with you. Right? And as you hold your life in that, in this way, God unlimited. I can't fix the world, the world's problems, let alone my own. But I trust that you can. I long for your return. Your heart becomes fertile ground. For a seed of true hope to be planted. Not of human fabrication. But of the Holy Spirit. Of God himself. Jesus Christ. And that will lead to a, a garden. A new life. That's what we hope for. That's the promise. I'm not saying that. That's the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'd invite you to trust him. Does this feel incomplete? Maybe. This is an added thing. we have be having this dialogue for the next four Sundays. Today I invite you. In a moment, we're going to go to the Lord's table. And again, this is not an empty ritual. We're coming to be fed by Lord Jesus Christ, His mercy, His grace. and I invite you as you prepare your hearts. We're going to receive Him the Offertory. To surrender that part of your life that says, "I'm in control and I can figure all it out." I invite you to surrender that, this Advent, and await the true King. Who's the healer of this world? Amen? All right, oh, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we me give you thanks and praise. that Whether we ignore you or don't rightly consider you, and we live our lives often without reference to your glory and your truth, Lord, we thank you that you don't forget us or ignore. But you're always there, always so patient, so waiting to invite us into a newer and deeper relationship with you. God, I pray for each one of us in this room. Whatever's preventing us from um, truly taking who you are, your coming, your judgment, your grace, whatever's blocking us from um, trusting you, I pray that you would remove that. That you would silence the sentimentality and embrace your love. Help us in that, we pray, in this Advent. In the name of Jesus. Amen.